Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to jump into our Bible study this morning. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along and keep track with us as we study the Scriptures. I love to hear the pages of the Bible turning when uh, we come together on Sunday mornings. Um, I know some of you have an electronic version. That's okay. Uh, Just as long as we are getting into God's Word together, it's a great privilege and honor. In fact, over the past three months, we've studied chapter and verse through the book of Daniel, which was very powerful for us to see the stories of faith of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I do want to thank Pastor Tim for uh, the summary of the last half of the book of Daniel that he provided for us last week, and uh, that was a blessing. I know he did that partway through uh, the Daniel series uh, before, and so, uh, but we also see in, in Daniel these prophecies that are, are very important for us in understanding God's divine plan and how that's going to unfold, leading to his eternal king, kingdom and reign. Now, what we find ourselves in um, Isaiah chapter 9, we're also looking at a biblical prophecy uh, coming uh, to fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. And uh, we are focusing in on this theme of joy. It's an interesting theme. I mean, obviously, when you think about Christmas, you've got joy and, and peace and, and, uh, and hope and, and all these sort of th- themes um, but joy can be a, a challenging uh, experience or, or even emotion. I, I probably wouldn't say it was an, an emotion as it is more of a, a characteristic because the, the Bible says that joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And so as a Christ follower, we've been given the Holy Spirit and part of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to fill us to overflowing with joy. And joy is not based on the circumstances around us. I think more happiness is. And happiness, these are all human emotions. Jesus experienced these types of emotions as well. There was times where he was weeping and crying uh, uh, and, and where he was also joyful. So we're looking at this theme of joy. And you might be experiencing a time in your life where you don't really feel very joyful. And I just want to encourage you as a Christ follower that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to have pain and to have heartache in our lives. But there's something that roots us as, as followers of Jesus with this joy that uh, it's kind of like the idea of being in the middle of a storm and all the wind is just raging around us. But in the eye of the storm, I think it's a song that, that you can hear online or on the radio, in the eye of the storm that God remains in control. And usually it's in the eye of the storm where it's a bit peaceful. It's, it's the idea of the, the presence of the Lord with us. And so over this week and then next week, we're looking at the, the promise of joy. And that's found in the prophecies of Jesus' birth in Isaiah chapter 9. But we're also looking at the presence of joy in, in the birth of Jesus. One of the, we're going to look at a couple of names of Jesus here at, uh, in Isaiah chapter 9. But we're also told that uh, that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That he's close, he's near, he's, 
He's, uh, he's near to the brokenhearted and in, in our situation and circumstances. And so Christmas is a time to remember and to reflect upon Him coming close. And as I mentioned in the beginning, I was really inspired by one of the prayers during our team prayer this morning as many of you were getting ready to come to church this morning. And uh, he was praying about the, the awe and the wonder of, of uh, Christmas. And uh, I don't know if you, you know, if, with kids, if you have kids or, you know, when they were small, you know, you put all this effort and energy into buying uh, gifts for your kids. And then what do they do when they get to that gift? They rip off the, uh, the, um, the gift wrapping. And what do they play with? They play with the gift wrapping. And it's like, okay, well, the gift is right here. It's, look, look what I got you. And usually, you know, it's when they're really small. Um, so they're just playing with the, the gift wrapping and not the gift. The other thing could be true, too, now that I'm experiencing with my, uh, my you know, older son. He's 10. Is now he's just on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So he could rip open a gift and play with it for one minute. And I spent one, however many dollars on this thing. <laughs> And he's one minute and he's off to the next thing. And let me just encourage all of us, spiritually speaking, to not get caught up in the wrapping of Christmas and miss the gift. Or don't get so caught up in the next thing that you don't continue to be enamored with the gift of Jesus. That's really what he desires to give to us, this hope and this promise. And so the promise of this baby, this boy, in Isaiah chapter 9 points to a time in the future where this child and this son is given and born. And so the point that we want to remember today as we read through these first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 9 is that the boy from heaven gives joy to the world. I say boy because we're told that we're given a boy as a gift The Bible says that um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It really is the gospel. And this boy, this child, is going to bring this joy. He's going to bring a lot of things, but this joy to the world. And so we're going to see this in a couple of ways. One is this great light that shines in the darkness. Second is this great joy that comes even through God's provision. Third is the great comfort of God in grieving times. And then lastly, the picture of this great God who is given at a certain time and a specific time in the future. So uh, we're going to jump into, actually look at verse 22 of the previous chapter, chapter 8, because I think there's a transition verse that reminds us of the contrast between the situation on the ground during Isaiah's time of prophecy, as well as what is going to happen during the birth of Jesus. In verse 22, Isaiah chapter 8 says, Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom and anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Now, in the context of this prophecy, chapter 8 is dealing with um, the judgment of God against the nation of Israel because of their disobedience. And God is going to use the Assyrians uh, as a way to bring that judgment. And the region uh, of uh, the nation of Israel during this time, they were divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the Assyrians came through and wiped them all out because of God's judgment. But the northern kingdoms were uh, especially treated harshly. And it is in these regions where the birth of Jesus took place, as well as the place where we're told later on that the people who walked in darkness have seen this great light. 
And so this is the same region that Isaiah is talking about. And it's 800 years, keep in mind, 800 years before the birth of Jesus that Isaiah is looking down this tunnel of prophetic timeline and speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit to give us insights into the promise of deliverance and the promise of restoration and the promise of salvation. And so it's during this time that the nation of Israel in the context, but also the world in general, are experiencing trouble and darkness and anguish. I mean, just read the news and that's the same situation going on in our world today. There's great trouble. There's great darkness. Now, there can be physical darkness, but there's also what the Bible talks about is spiritual darkness. It's walking with spiritual blinders uh, that uh, we have the Lord take that spiritual darkness away from us. It's kind of like, you know, where we live out um, in Hapatul Valley. It's really far east out in the Cleveland National Forest. And out there, there's less light pollution than the city. And so, you know, this past week, I think it was maybe a Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember, um, but there was this great meteor shower. I don't know if you, you know, were familiar with that. And it was once every minute or so, there was these meteors and these falling stars, you know, kind of coming down. I thought, Jesus, are you behind one of those? Are you coming right now? Are you ready? Here we go. Let's go. Uh, and so it was really beautiful. Once we got out home and the, you know, the lights are off, it's just, it's just pitch dark. And maybe you've been in, this, in an environment like that. Maybe you've gone into like some caves where there's no light. Um, the thing about darkness is that you can feel it. it there's like a weight to it. There's a, a fearfulness to it. But the other side of darkness is that darkness will, can never consume light. That even if you shine a, a flashlight in darkness, you will always see it. Darkness... Um, is, is dispelled when the light shines. And so um, this great hope that we have of the darkness, of God's light shining in the darkness, and I mean, people are in spiritual darkness. And when you're in darkness, you don't know where to go. There's, you know, you, you're, you're frozen. Um, so there's trouble and, and anguish uh, and uh, difficulty. However, look at verse 1 of chapter 9. Nevertheless, I love that word. That means transition. That means change. Nevertheless, that means there's something that God, God is going to do that's going to blow our minds. He's going to do something that is outside of the box. Uh, he's going to do things that we can't even imagine or, or think. He's going to wrap himself. God is going to wrap himself with humanity as a package of peace and of love and of, of joy for you and I to unwrap, to have eternal life and salvation and reconciliation with God. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. That is the nation of Israel. Meaning God is going to bring about a time in which there is going to be light and there is going to be help and there is going to be deliverance. And you might experience some of these things in your own life. You might experience anguish. You might experience darkness or gloom or distress. And I believe that Christmas is a great reminder to you and I that there's hope that Jesus is drawn near. Nevertheless, this gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, uh, the, uh, the, the, in Galilee of the Gentiles. This was the region that the Assyrians came and completely destroyed and took into captivity. 
And yet this was the exact same place in Bethlehem in the land of Galilee. And uh, the Jordan uh, River is where Jesus spent the majority of his ministry and of his, uh, and of his life. And so in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Everyone say light. His light is shining. And you can't hide it up. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. I think just spiritually speaking, the shadow of death is upon every single one of us. Not only physically, but spiritually. Uh, one of the most beloved psalms in the book of Psalms, Psalm 23, says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. And so having the presence of the Lord, you know, the presence of, of Jesus walking with you in doom and gloom and darkness and anguish and trouble and in hardship does not, does not mean that everything's going to be okay and, you know, everything's just going to be so peaceful and perfect. But it does mean that Jesus is going to strengthen you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to uphold you. He's going to pick you up. Uh, in the valleys of the shadow of death. That means death is all, all around. Now, physically speaking, we all know that that's upon every single one of us. As Paul the Apostle said, though outwardly our bodies are wasting away, as Christ's followers inwardly, our souls are being renewed. So just look in the mirror this morning and you know and see that your body is wasting away. I can see it right before my very eyes. No, just kidding. I see it in, the, in my mirror and our bodies are Moving towards physical death. It's a part of the human experience. The Bible says it is appointed once for man or woman to die and then to receive judgment. We live once, only once. Only once this life will soon pass. Only what's done for Christ will last is a great reminder and encouragement how we live our lives. So there's a physical death, but there's also a spiritual death. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages or the penalty of sin is death. The spiritual death is separation from God. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the hope of heaven. Not the pearly gates and not the uh, uh, you know, golden streets and not the mansions, although those are pretty great. It's being with Jesus, that there, where I am, there you may be also. And so there is this uh, light that's breaking through and the promise of, of light here in these opening verses of the gloomy times. Isaiah ministered to a people who were stressed out, broken, lost, Wondering to hopeless, and maybe you can relate to some of those things. I know for many years of my life, before before surrendering to Jesus Christ, I was completely lost. You know, Jesus said, "I have come." One of the things he said, many things about why he came, but one of the reasons why he came was to seek and to save that which is lost. He leave the ninety nine to go after that one lost sheep, and I know that I was running from God, and Jesus, he has a better mile run lap time than me he can catch me he ran after me because I ran my life into a ditch I got lost I got turned around I, I was upside down but he picked me up and and he set me on a rock and and he took me out of the miry pit that I was just in like the prodigal son so you may be lost 
And there's a peace that Jesus can give you, but there's also a peace, because Jesus says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives peace. And there's a peace that the world will try to give you, but it's temporary and it's not satisfying. And it doesn't last. And so in those uh, moments of, of life that we experience of lostness, apart from God, we also experience brokenness. All these pieces of our lives just can sometimes fall apart. And if your life is in pieces, just hold on to the peace of God. It's his peace. His peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. And we can all relate to the idea of having um, our lives fall apart into pieces. But the other verse reminds us that Jesus is the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And because of that, the book of Colossians tells us that in him, by him, for him, and through him, the worlds were created. So God, through Jesus Christ, being God himself, can sustain all of creation and keep all of... I mean, just recently, they launched this new satellite. And now they're able to look in, and they're, they're finding billions of galaxies. But inside our galaxy, there's billions of stars. I mean, you can't even count them all. And then you multiply that by billions. Is your mind blown yet? I can't even think that far. And yet, Jesus holds all of this in perfect harmony and unity. Do you know and realize that this same hand of Jesus that holds in harmony all the galaxies and stars is the same hand that can hold your life together? He sustains you. He holds you. He strengthens you. And he's come at Christmas time to remind us that even maybe when we are broken, Jesus said of himself when he started his ministry, referencing the book of Isaiah, he sat down in the temple and opened it and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal, listen friends, heal the brokenhearted. It doesn't take much to break a human heart. And that's a lot of pain. That's a lot of hurt. But Jesus is somebody who mends and heals the broken heart. He draws near and close to those who have a broken heart, but also those who are, are hopeless. You don't know where to turn. Don't know where to go. It's kind of like the idea of a, of a lighthouse, you know, with the sailors who are out on the ocean, and there's all these great storms, and they're going to be lost at sea. But yet when you see the lighthouse shining, every time that light spins around, it's a beacon shining out. There's hope. There's land. There's harbor. There's safety. Follow the light and you'll experience security. And that's the same thing as what we see here in uh, Isaiah's prophecy. That God is shining the light for those who are lost spiritually. Those who are broken in their lives, those who are hopeless, those who maybe even are oppressed, the confusion and the distress that was a part of the culture of the time of Isaiah, the culture and world in which Jesus was born, as well as in our own lives today, that God's presence shines the light into every gloomy situation that you might be experiencing. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. What does that mean? It means that the world is dark. Apart from God, the world is dark. 
And Jesus shines the light. I am the light of the world. He or she who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, true life. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Experience his light in the darkness. Not only do we see this great light in the promise of Jesus, but we also see this great joy. Notice in verse 3, Isaiah continues on. You have multiplied the nation and increased it's joy. Everyone say joy. Increase its joy. That means our, the levels of our joy can increase. I don't know where your joy meter is at today. Uh, sometimes I think many Christians are baptized in lemon juice because of the sour look that's on their face. You wonder, where's the joy? And that's okay. I mean, I, I'm not saying that we need to be fake and phony on the outside. But what I mentioned earlier in the beginning is that there is a joy that wells up inside of us because of, why? Two things here, two things. Because of the prosperity that God gives in our lives, and secondly, the provision that God gives in our lives. Now, in the context of Isaiah, he's talking about the deliverance and the victories that God gave the nation of Israel. Same sort of things that he does for us. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. Where's your joy meter at today? It also tells me, that my joy can increase based on a couple of things. That, that increased levels of joy does not come from things. It comes from God. He's the source. Now, that's, that flies in the face of our consumer world right now during Christmas time where we think more things are going to give us more happiness and more satisfaction and more joy. But the older you get, the more you realize it's, life is not... As, as, uh, as uh, Jesus says, I, I believe he says in yeah, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, that one's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. And so if we're placing the source of our joy and contentment in the things that we have, let me tell you, friends, that's going to run out. Those things are going to fall apart. The uh, burden of maintaining things is going to become very heavy and wearisome. But there is a joy that Jesus brings in his, um, in his provision in our lives. Notice it says, You've increased the joy, and they rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. What's he talking about? He's talking about an agricultural sort of idea of when the harvest comes. There's a bountiful, there's all this crop, and there's produce. And for the nation of Israel, this was a time of celebration. This was a time of taking 10% of what they had increased in the entire year and going back and saying, God, take it, use it. We give it back to you. We bless you. We celebrate your provision. Now, it's easy. I'm just saying from my own experience, it's easy to celebrate and be joyful when the tide is high. When everything is good. When there's a surplus. When there's an abundance, when there's a great harvest, we should celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ during those times. But we are also reminded that Jesus provides for us even when the tide is very low and we cut our feet on the rocks <laughs> looking for treasures. Even when the tide is low in our lives, we can thank the Lord. And this is what the nation of Israel is being reminded to do. Because of his prosperity, that complete celebration and gladness over God's deliverance 
and his victory. But I have found that the fullness of my joy fades when I forget to include God in my decisions. When I forget to include God in my celebrations. When I forget to include God in my finances. When I forget to include God in my marriage. When I forget to include God in my parenting. When I forget to include God in my life. That is when the fullness of my joy begins to fade. Why? Because I'm doing things on my own ability. I'm doing things on my own strength. I'm focusing in on things that don't truly matter. So how do you increase levels of joy? You bring Jesus back at the center of celebration, of devotion, of your focus, of your finances, of your marriage, of your family, of your work, and of your school. And then you begin to see the joy of the Lord, the celebration. Why? Because joy is not dependent on external circumstances. I think I mentioned this from Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. So as we are in God's presence right now, your joy meters are full. Hey, look at that. Now what's going to happen when we leave this place? Oh man, you're going to get in your car. You're going to get an alert about something. You're going to get a text. You are going to, it's, that is going to start hitting the joy. Ding, ding, ding. And it's going to start leaking. And flat tire joy. It's just going to, something's going to steal it. Take it away. But it will if we're focused on those things. If we're focused on that, then we say, oh, where's my joy? It's going, my love don't go that way. No, if we're rooted and grounded in the Lord, you realize we're going to get to this on Christmas Eve. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but for the joy that was set before Jesus, whew, there's the real motive. He endured the cross and despised the shame. He kept the focus on what was true and what was real, what was important. In your presence is fullness of joy. We're all full right now, and there's no reason why When we leave this place that our joy cannot remain full, being rooted in his provision. Because as I mentioned, our life does not consist in the abundance of things, but in his work, his joy, and his presence. There's a couple of other things as we um, kind of wind down our study this morning. Not only do we see the great light of Jesus, But we also see the great joy of Jesus. Now we see the great comfort. Look in verse 4. For you have broken the yoke of his burden. Everyone say burden. Ooh, burden. That sounds heavy, doesn't it? The weights and the burdens. We all carry. We all have many things. Notice he uses a couple of words here. And the staff of his shoulder. Usually you carry any chiropractors in the room here. We do have one, don't we? (laughs) Come and give us a theological exhortation. On the burdens we carry right here, right here, right? Let's talk to him and pop those burdens. (laughs) We carry the burdens on our shoulders. But do you realize that this chapter, these verses, talk about somebody's shoulders who is capable to carry our burdens? Capable to carry and lift up those weights and the burdens that come upon us because As Jesus said, if you are weary and heavy burden, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. It's good to have a physical chiropractor, but there's nothing like the spiritual 
cracking of those burdens that are just tweaking the alignment of our lives. And that's the work of Jesus Christ. The burdens, the shoulders that he carries. So he carries our burdens. If you're, if you're weary and heavy burden right now, if you've got a weight upon you, I see you thinking right now. I, I see you've got it all in your minds right now. You know, what you're, you know what the Lord is speaking to you about. It's heavy and you've been carrying it. Do you realize Jesus will pick up those burdens the moment you lay them down to him? That burden is going to start taking or puncturing the tire, the full tire of joy, pressure in your life when you walk out of here if you don't lay it down to him right now. Quietness of your own heart. Jesus, I just want to lay down this burden. Why? Because there was another burden placed upon Jesus, not only our burdens to give us rest for our souls, but the burden of the cross. There's no greater burden than that. That upon his shoulders, not only did Jesus receive the beatings that I deserved. This is the gospel, the good news. He received the beatings. He received the judgment. He was the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. On his shoulders, his shoulders were, bared, were ripped open to show that love for you and I. But to bear the cross of Calvary. So what we see in Isaiah's prophecy, we see the picture of chaos. Which leads us to the Christmas cradle. But the Christmas cradle was always pointing us to the cross of Calvary. And then we see that through the cross of Calvary, Jesus received the crown. This great victory that he's done for you and I. Pick up that burden. This great burden, notice, he breaks the yoke of the burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian, which is an interesting read. Go back to Judges chapter 7. You see Gideon was going to take on the Midianites with 30,000 plus people, whatever it was. Tens of thousands of people. And God said, "Eh, that's too many people. If you go and do that battle and you win the battle, which you probably will, then everyone's going to say, oh, look how good Gideon is. Look how great the armies of Israel are. I want you to bring this down a bit. And uh, for a bit, that meant 300 people. The entire nation. Wow, that's pretty cool. God said to Gideon, you've got too many people. And uh, which is pretty remarkable because God can do such great things with people who are just devoted and loyal to him. And when you get a church body or people together just that are focused on his mission, his heart, his purpose... And they're so just laser focused on what really matters. Man, get ready for revival. Get ready for God to do something powerful. So this is a picture back for the nation of Israel. Talking, uh, talking about the great victories of God. So joy and thanksgiving can come from what God has done in your life. Wow, you remember what God did? That's so awesome. And that's, I just praise him. I thank him. He's so good. There's joy. For every warrior's sandal, verse 5, from the noisy battle, the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for the fire. So the idea is there's no more war. There's no more battle. God's, Jesus is going to take care of all of it. I'm going to lay those things down. God promises comfort in the grieving times. This was a time of oppression. This was a time that the children of Israel needed victory the burdens, the yoke, the heaviness. And yet, Jesus says, as I mentioned, come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened. But we also see the picture in Jesus' shoulders, this idea of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, it's pretty fascinating when you look at it this way because when you, when you look at a baby in the manger, it's so precious and so vulnerable. 
But in God's big plan, Jesus was born to die so that you and I, who are dead in sin, can live. That's the gospel. Jesus was born to die so that you and I, who are dead in sin, can live because of what he's done for us on the cross. It's this great reminder. It's this great reminder of the gospel and the burdens he has borne for our forgiveness. So, finally, here in verses 6 and 7, we see some of the names uh, mentioned. For unto us a child is born. Now, this word child is a picture of Jesus' humanity. And unto us a son is given. And the word son is a picture of his deity. Now, Jesus would use that phrase to talk of himself, the son of man. Or even others would reference him as the son of God. It's a messianic title of Messiah or the Christ. So we have in Jesus the perfect picture of humanity. Now, Jesus had to be fully man in order to take the sin and weight of our lives. But he was also fully God to give us the picture of the great deliverance that we have because of God coming near. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Notice the word shoulder again. So not only does Jesus' shoulder bear the burden of the cross, it also will be upon his shoulders that all power and all rule and all authority forever. And his, of his reign, there will be no end. Upon his shoulder, the government will be upon him. And his name will be called Wonderful. Everyone say Wonderful. I think we sang some of that today. Wonderful. It's this idea of just being in awe and wonder and just standing, wow, not even speaking or saying anything, but just how wonderful God is. Wonderful counselor. Anyone need a counselor? We, we got a chiropractor in the house. We have any counselors in the house. We're just going to take care of everybody's problems today, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever we need. That's what we're here for. Jesus can do that. But you need a counselor? I know I do. There's issues that confuse me. There's things in life that I don't know which way to turn. There's decisions that I'm faced with that I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. He's the counselor. You know, who has known the mind of the Lord or offered him any counsel? If you are seeking wisdom and understanding and clarity and direction in life, then go to the babe in the manger. Seek the wonderful counselor, the child, the son, the boy from heaven who is given as a counselor, wisdom and direction and, and understanding. He's a counselor. He's a mighty God. It's a picture of his eternity. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And the verses go on to talk about how he will establish it. He will bring order and uh, it will be accomplished. So in closing here, I'm just going to have our worship team come on up and we'll just reflect on a couple of takeaways here for us. I think we've touched on a couple and it sounds like and looks like if I'm looking in your guys' eyes that there are a couple of things that the Holy Spirit has done in our midst today. And one is to make sure that Jesus is at the center of your Christmas, that Jesus is at the center of your decisions, that Jesus as the gift is at the center of your marriage and of your home, and of your work. And maybe if you played with Jesus a little bit, you know what I mean by that? Like the kids play. They'll play with the toy just a little bit, and then they'll set it aside. Maybe this past week, this past month, this past year, 
maybe past 10 years. You've opened the gift and there was an initial rush and thrill of joy, but you've set Jesus aside. Let me encourage you to go back to the greatest gift. Pick him up. Play with him, so to speak. Jesus said after his resurrection, touch, handle me, and see. Maybe also there is someone here experiencing some some brokenness, some heartache, some grieving. Christmas time is a, a reminder that Jesus is near, Jesus is close, and his presence soothes, heals, and mends the broken pieces of our lives. Maybe there's a burden that you're carrying. Let me encourage you as we sing this song and close our service today that you can just lay that down to the Lord. God, I'm tired. I'm so tired of trying to carry this myself. I'm so weak. I can't do it anymore, God. But I know you are capable because you proved in lifting the cross, you've proved that you can lift any burden. And the greatest burden that you and I carry is the burden of sin. It is the burden of sin. And Jesus dealt with that on the cross. And if you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ or have heard the gospel presented in this way, then I'm going to encourage you to get reconciled with the God of heaven. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for worship. We thank you for this season of mixed emotions, of ups and downs, of challenges and struggles. I pray, Lord, that as we've already discussed today, I pray you'd fill and increase our joy, not in the things, but in you, and bring us back to this wonder and awe of the gift wrap Jesus as a package of hope, joy, and peace for us. And if you have not confessed your sin to God and you find yourself walking literally and spiritually in the valley of the shadow of death, I want to tell you and encourage you that there is someone who is shining that light and his name is Jesus. And that light has been drawing you and catching your attention. And today you find yourself at a place where you want to experience salvation because of what Jesus has come to do. And if that's you, let me encourage you to pray this. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. I acknowledge that I've sinned against you. But I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be born in a manger, to die on a cross, and to resurrect from the dead so that I could have new life, fullness of life. I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use my life to honor and glorify you. Thank you for making me new. I want to be born again by the power of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. We all said, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. 
If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.